Greetings and salutations and welcome to the game on News Talk 1400. You can also hear our show online at Newstalk1400.net and podcasts available at thegamesportshow.podbean.com. As the man said, my name is Scott Nason, broadcasting from our News Talk 1400 studios just outside the city limits of Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, on this Tuesday, March 29th, 2022. The game, the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. We will be with you up until 8 o'clock tonight, a special Tuesday night edition of the game as we had Sioux Eagles hockey last night. Coming up on tonight's show, we will be joined by Dave Watson, voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils and host of Coach's Corner, who will join us to give a winter sports recap and transition to spring sports coming up here next month. We'll also be joined by Butch Davis, co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, who will talk about everything going on in the Metro Detroit sports scene and around the state of Michigan, along with him sitting down with Dave and I for the Sports Roundtable. Joining us off the hop, co-host of the game here on News Talk 1400 and host of the Game Sports Show in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, David McKay Jr. joining us once again on this Tuesday night edition of the game. Kegger? How you doing on this last game of March? We're only a few days away from April, and spring will be here, I promise. Uh, Scotty, my friend, how are you doing? I know I'm doing great. It's a Tuesday for the show, as you said, a very special date. Usually we're used to our comfortable Mondays, if you will. But you mentioned the spring. The snow has melted off the roads, it seems like. It's the sun's out. Uh, I don't want to say the guns are out, but uh, not that warm yet. <laughs> Uh, but nonetheless, it's great to see the warm weather's just around the corner. But you know, I love the winter sports, so that means when summer's coming around, the winter sports are coming to an end, and that means exciting times, but also nervous times, especially if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan when it comes to the playoff time. <laughs> Absolutely, Dave. And let's start with the Ontario Hockey League tough weekend for the Sioux Greyhounds as they had a pair of games at home against Windsor, the charging and hard-charging Windsor Spitfires as the Spits uh, sweep the Hounds at home, winning 5-4 to four on Sunday and also winning 5-3 to three on Saturday. So with those victories, Windsor now has a nine-point lead over the Sioux Greyhounds in the OHL's West Division. Hounds now 33-26-1. and one. And in fourth position in the Western Conference, the Hounds are on the road tonight as they will take on Saginaw and then a pair of games at home over the weekend. They'll take on Saginaw on Friday and host Sarnia on Sunday. You can hear all those games over on Rock 101. So, Dave, the last time we talked, the Hounds were bunched up with four teams. But watch out for Windsor. They're starting to uh, separate themselves from the pack. Your thoughts? You know, it was a tough weekend for the Hounds. You know, I, with being involved on a lot of social media platforms with our show and I've seen it pretty routinely, I would, I'm going to flat out say and be honest that some of the comments that you hear, we're, we're, we're definitely a passionate fan base here in Sioux, Ontario, and we consider, uh, Sioux, Michigan and all of our, uh, the regions around that we're all Greyhound fans because we all cheer for the same teams, right? LSSU, the Greyhounds, right? We're all within the region. A lot of great sports teams, especially with hockey in our region, but there were a lot of negative with the Sioux Greyhounds this weekend. And I, I get it. You know, you lose two games. 
you take the time to go to the games and they're not successful and you're against a team that you're chasing and it didn't go your way, okay? But the Hounds, I've said this is the beginning of the year, they are going to make noise when it comes to the second season of this year. And I'm talking playoffs if no one knows what second season means. I imagine you do. Uh, but the Greyhounds right now are a team that are a little bit overachieving the expectations. Now that they've reached this limit in consistency for the entirety of the season, okay, now it's not a surprise. Now it's not uh, something that should be a little out of the ordinary. It's something that you do expect so then, for some reason, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario turns into Toronto, Ontario when it comes <laughs> about their team, okay? So, uh, or Montreal or New York. I'll use other teams. I won't just stay in Chirp Toronto. Uh, but we, with the Greyhounds having this this weekend, it was a little setback. But there's been a lot of positives this year, and it's a little bumps in the road. But I would take these bumps in the road this year because the Hounds are going to be able to build up this adversity going into the playoffs, okay? And going into that second season, quote-unquote, that I've mentioned, they're going to be prepared against Windsor, hopefully, more the next time they play them. That's what you hope. If you play against a team and you lose against them back-to-back when you're in close proximity in the standings, you're hoping that you're going to be successful the next time you play them. It's not like you're a last-place team playing a top team where you know you're going to struggle night in and night out. Let's just say how it is. You're going to struggle a bit more commonly because of where you stand in the standings. The Hounds are not at that point where they're too far behind Windsor. Yes, Windsor is running away, or if you want to say Spitfires are flying away with their standing and their placement. But again, I am not in any kind of fear of the Greyhounds being able to compete with Windsor or the teams ahead of them in the second season. Okay, they they are in a position this year where, yes, I've said this already, overachieving, but now they've shown that they belong. And it was a setback, but the comments that I see where, oh, this is uh, th- this has shown that they're really not a playoff team. Oh, this has shown that they're not good enough. Okay, enough's enough here. Okay, that's what I want to say. The Hounds uh, had a bad weekend. Time to regroup and focus on this week. You don't put your mindset forward or backwards. You move it forwards, and that's what the fans got to start doing. This team a little bit. It's not like we have a team that is a first place expected team. This is a team that has jumped a little bit more than expected, but has done great for this part of the season and has uh, given us a show to show that they do belong in the upper threshold of the conference and the division. So I say this to the fans here in Sault Ste. Marie, let's pop the brakes a little bit with a little bit of the negative comments that I see routinely on social media, and let's keep forward and uh, and really encourage this team in the stands, and let's encourage this team in the community because they do have a team that could do something special this year. Dave, let's move on to the Northern Ontario Junior Hockey League. One week left in the regular season. Uh, lots of games this past week. We'll quickly go through them. The Sioux Eagles clinched second place in the West Division a week ago Tuesday as they knocked off Blind River 2-1. to one. The Beavers would defeat the Eagles the next night 2-1 to one in a shootout. The Eagles would knock off Greater Sudbury 2-1 to one on Friday night at home. Then the Sioux Thunderbirds will already clinch first place in the West Division. They clinch first in the NOJHL with a 3 nothing shutout win over the Eagles on Saturday. Noah Metavier, a very good game, making 37 saves in the win. Last night, the Sioux Eagles defeat Espinola 6-5, to so the playoffs will start next week. The Thunderbirds finish first in the West. 
They will host the fourth versus fifth place play-in series winner uh, probably starting next weekend. Uh, the Sioux Eagles second place. They will have home ice advantage in their West Division semifinals. They'll take on either Blind River or Greater Sudbury. Both those teams are tied right now with one game remaining. And the Eagles will take on Greater Sudbury Friday night at Polar Stadium and then Hurst on Saturday. Sioux Thunderbirds will take on Hurst on Thursday and then be at Cochrane on Saturday. So we don't know who exactly the teams will play, but it's 1-2 for the Sioux teams in the West Division, Dave. And that Sioux Thunderbirds team has only lost one game in 2022. And we say it, it seems like every year we've had this show, they just put out a good product. And the Eagles have put out a very good product this season as well. And for the first time in three years, Dave, Hopefully, and it looks like we will, we will see playoff hockey in the NLJHL, and I personally can't wait. Oh, I can't believe it's been that that long, hitting the three-year mark, right? You know, we've been in this pandemic for over a couple years. It's been a change in a lot of lifestyle, a lot of difficulties uh, in the community here in Sault Ste. Marie with local businesses, but also uh, in regards to um, everyone worldwide. It's been a shake worldwide. And now the NOJHL, sticking to that point, this has been a league that has persevered a lot through this pandemic. The scheduling committee in the NOJHL, uh, the commissioner, the all the league representatives have done a great job throughout this entirety of the pandemic. Now that we are getting there now where it seems like, I don't want to jinx anything in the next couple weeks or next week right. here, uh, we're going to see playoff hockey, and that is so exciting. And you talked about the Thunderbirds. Like, there's a, we, we talked about it last week. This is a team that every year has ice talent. And I've said it back in last week's or uh, last week's edition uh, where we mentioned T-Bot, Thunderbirds on top. And that yeah. has been a, a saying ever since they came into the league and they've been on the upper threshold of the NOJHL since they have entered the league. And, you know, when I look over that East Division, though, and I see the closest between Timmins, Hurst, and Powassan, you know, if I'm the Thunderbirds, I'm really looking at probably Timmins or Hurst coming out of that. It most likely will be Timmins from what I see uh, in their way of their play. But the West Division is going to be an exciting one. The Eagles, despite being nine points behind the Thunderbirds and the Cubs being about 20 two points behind the Thunderbirds. Anything could happen in playoff hockey. And when you talk about the Beavers, there's a pesky team right there that is tenacious, that is built for playoff-type hockey. Yeah, we're not talking about the National Hockey League or the uh, the professional-level hockey where it's a little bit different, where the playoff intensity is different. But there is a difference between regular season and the playoffs. The, your third, your fourth line, and your third-pairing defenseman, and your goaltending, that's where it's going to be the star of the show. And I feel like the Beavers have a consistent team throughout. I feel like the Cubs, the Eagles, and obviously the Thunderbirds do. And you can't take out Elliott Lake, uh, but they're obviously in tough against the teams in their division. But the Thunderbirds got 36-5-2-3 record. Uh, unbelievable. And they, they're going to provide, they're going to be favorites in the playoffs, but they're obviously going to provide a lot of excitement as they poise for a deep playoff run. But when it comes to the Eagles, can't count them out. You know, you can't count out uh, the Sioux Michigan Eagles. Trust me, I've played in that barn and played for that barn <laughs> and that team. I can tell you it's a, that is a playoff-type atmosphere and team. And just the Beavers, I still got my eye. Despite finishing fourth, uh, technically fourth, being behind uh, the uh, greatest Sudbury Cubs, uh, I think the Beavers are a little bit higher than what they've been performing. So you got to watch out for those squads. Uh, it's going to be interesting going down, as you said, the fourth and fifth play-in. Uh, be interesting to see uh, who the Thunderbirds play out of that. Uh, but 
you know, the Thunderbirds, they can't take any opponent lightly. I, I As I said, they're a favorite. They're very talented. But, again, you've got to watch when it comes to playoff hockey because anything could happen. And I think listeners, I think viewers, and I think fans of the game, especially if you cheer for the Birds, Eagles, Cubs, Rock, Lumberjacks, whatever team that you cheer for, uh, you should not count out your team despite placement because uh, <laughs> crazier things have happened in sports. And it doesn't matter what league. And I'm not doubting the Thunderbirds, as I said. I have the as my peg, my favorite, no offense to any other team, but anything can happen and that's what makes this league exciting. So kudos to NLJHL again for getting ready to set up for the first playoff in the, within three years. It's amazing that we finally get to see some playoffs and it's going to be exciting. David McKay Jr. joining us on the game and Dave, we're a little short of time here but uh, we will talk more about the Blue Jays next week as their season and Major League Baseball will begin along with the NHL playoffs but in the couple minutes we have left just wanted to give you the floor as what's on deck for the game sports show in Sioux, Ontario. You know, we, we did plan to do a top shelf show last week. It got rescheduled and postponed uh, to this week. Uh, we have a couple of recordings that we're doing for our special editions the last couple of weeks, getting those uh, into the uh, pre-recorded, ready to go and get out. Uh, we do plan this week, as I mentioned last week, that we will have the James Duffy upload that is planned this week as well. Uh, that has been pushed to be next week. I wanted to let everyone know that this week in Sioux, Ontario, we will have a bonus upload within the pocket. We will have a Strike Zone Edition upload, and we'll have Top Shelf. So that's three new shows this week, which is the reason why we pushed the James Duffy show uh, to be next week, because we're going to be a little bit uh, lighter on our schedule next week. So that's what's going on in Sioux, Ontario uh, this week, Scotty. And a lot of good uh, stuff coming out of the National Hockey League. You know, the playoff picture's coming more fold, uh, and a lot of games tonight on the docket and games this week um, in terms of Toronto, or if you're looking at the Atlantic Division between Tampa, Boston, and Toronto, things are getting real exciting. And I want to say quickly, thumbs up to the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, the, what they do in the community uh, for, for, for kids, for sick kids, there's no better team in the National Hockey League almost that does it. So I saw that on Twitter, and I know we're talking about the schedule for the game sports show in Canada and Sioux, Ontario. But I want to give a quick shout-out there to the Edmonton Oilers and a little uh, little teaser about not only what we're doing, but for a big week in the NHL ahead. Absolutely, and you're right about Edmonton. They really give back to the community. A lot of teams do, but I would agree with you 100%, Dave. I don't think any team does it better than the Edmonton Oilers. Dave McKegg joining us on the game, and Dave will be back to our normal time slot next week on Monday. It will be April, but we'll have lots to talk about as always. Have a great rest of your week, sir, and we will talk to you next Monday night for our next edition of the game. Sounds great, Scotty. Listeners, followers, make sure you hit like, follow, and subscribe uh, of the Game Sports Show and the TGEM Network YouTube channel. You don't want to miss out on all the content that we have. And our website, I got some messages that it was down yesterday to do some updates. It is back up and running, thegamesportshow.com. So you can go back on there and get caught up and also keep an eye on new uploads. Yeah, keep those darn hackers off that website, Dave. Come on now, get those firewalls built up a little better. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. Dave, uh, have a great night, and we'll talk to you next Monday, sir. Thanks, Scotty. Have a good night. Uh, You as well. We'll take a break. We come back. We'll be joined by Dave Watson to talk more about local sports, all coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. You can catch podcasts of The Game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason on News Talk 1400. 
And welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you and joining us now and for the remainder of the show, the voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils and host of Coach's Corner on 1230 WSOO, Dave Watson joining us once again on the game. And Prof, always great to have you on the show and welcome back to the game, sir. Thanks for having me. Great to be back here to talk some uh, local sports and also uh, we'll hit some national ones a little bit later. It'd be good to... Uh, Kibitz with uh, Mr. Butch Davis here a little bit. Uh, just always a fun time to come here, Scott. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about, Dave. And I wanted to start just kind of recapping the winter sports and high school basketball. Uh, last week, the only team that was left standing as far as Eastern Upper Peninsula teams, uh, no surprise, the Rudyard Bulldogs boys basketball team who made it back to a Division Four quarterfinal last Tuesday. They would fall to Ewan Trout Creek 56-40. to Ewan Trout Creek made it all the way to the finals, losing in overtime. A great season for them, and really another good season for the Rudyard Bulldogs. Uh, they just ran up against a very tall and a very talented Ewan Trout Creek team. Uh, you know, disappointing, I'm sure, for Coach Suggan and Coach Peterson, but you saw what they did at the Breslin Center, which we'll talk more about with Butch coming up a little bit later. Uh, still a very good season for the Bulldogs. A very good season. And, you know, I, I said to you going into that game against you and Trout Creek, I watched uh, you and play uh, North Central in the regional final. And I, I was saying to Scott off the air, I, I think Rudyard's in trouble. And I thought it was, I said, you and by 15, it ended up being 16. Uh, they, they had two really good shooters, a good guard, uh, you know, three really quality players. One, Eric Abramson, related to the Abramsons here in the Sioux, yep. a tremendous player. And uh, Ewan represented the UP with Menominee very well, uh, I thought, uh, down in East Lansing. They both had a chance to win. Menominee lost to a really good Schoolcraft team that Iron Mountain beat in the semifinals yep. last year, if you recall. Schoolcraft won the D3 title by uh, 10 points. So a good year for the UP. First time we had uh, two teams in the same year in the uh, boys' basketball finals. you got to go back to 1995, and I thought that the they both weren't woodshedded by any stretch. One went to overtime. The other one lost by 10. Pretty good showing. Uh, good year for Rudyard. Uh, you know, they just ran into a, a really good uh high-quality team in Ewan Trail Creek. Looking at the teams you covered, Dave, uh, the Sioux High boys basketball team winning a district and then uh, falling to Escanaba in their regional semifinal, and the girls team winning another district and also falling in the regional semifinals to Houghton. Uh, a good season, I think, for both teams, and, and certainly you know, going into next season, we're going to talk about some of the changes coming up as far as next season and uh, divisions and classes and such. But uh, overall, uh, you know, I think anytime you win a district, that's a good season as far as I'm concerned. Really good year. You know, the uh, girls uh, wasn't a surprise. A lot of people had them as the favorites to win the their district. Uh, they had a disappointing regional semifinal uh, up at Manistique. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, in, in that game uh, in the regional semis, Nagani, a well-coached team. The kids executed the game plan very well. And obviously they looked at film and that was they had to shut down one of the good shooters for Sioux High, either Claire Erickson or Kenzie Bell. And they did an excellent job on Kenzie. Uh, going forward, I think Sioux High girls are going to be a really good team next year. It don't matter what division they're in. I think they're, they're a team that could definitely win a district. You know, you have Claire back, Kenzie back, and a good core group of the players co coming back. And they, they'll obviously get uh, some help from the JV team, the kids moving up. But uh, I think and Pat Bennett said it in his post-game interview uh, against Nagani up in Manistique when they lost in the regional semis, you know, 
they need to have that develop that uh, third shooter, whether it's Laura Inarebner, who had a really good regular season, or someone of that nature. It, just in case when they, you know, an opponent would shut down a, a Kenzie or a Claire, to have that other kid to come up and pick them up. The other thing, they have to pick up their physicality. They have to, you know, be able to get to the free throw line. They ha- and the other thing is backside rebounding. I, I thought at times they they got dominated, even by teams that were a, l- a little more undersized than them. And the Suhai has size, but going forward i think they're a team that could definitely be a team you know that uh could win a district and um and whether whatever it looks like division one is what they'll be in but uh, going forward next year they they got a quality team coming back there's no question sue high boys are ahead of the game you know they they were a big surprise to win the district 34 and uh, upsetting Boyne city i thought uh, the kids picked it up at the right time uh great veteran leadership but guys like uh, jake davy and the other seniors uh, for sue high joey gravel was tremendous and you know they shocked the world by beating Boyne city and they almost shocked the world again i had um, late they that had game. the lead yep. against uh, escanaba and then escanaba did a great job in the fourth quarter shutting sue high down ending the game in a 13 nothing run sue high didn't have anything in the fourth quarter offensively didn't score a bucket or a point at all but they're ahead of the game they got some really good players coming up and uh, of course they're going to face some challenges moving up up a division next year but they're going to be a team i think that's certainly on the rise looking at the all eup and all straights area conference teams uh for the boys all eup conference team of uh, rudyard seniors ej suggan and tate bestiman uh suggan named EUP Conference Player of the Year, Bestman named the Defensive Player of the Year. Other players on the first team include Rudyard's sophomore Cam Peterson, along with junior Kaysen Smith from Cedarville Detour, along along with Aiden Andres of Brimley, or I'm sorry, Islanders junior Aiden Andres and Brimley senior Grady Newland in the Straits Area Conference for the boys. Uh, Suggan and Bestman uh, repeated as Area Conference Player of the Year and Defensive Player of the Year. Other players on that All Straits Area Conference team include Newberry senior Claudio Bistolfi, St. Ignace junior Kevin Frazier, St. Ignace sophomore Johnny Ingles, and Rudyard sophomore Cam Peterson. Uh, you know, looking ahead to next season, Dave, obviously St. Ignace is that one team I think you got to watch out for. They made great strides during the regular season, knocking off Rudyard, knocking off Sioux High. They kind of slipped up a bit in the playoffs, but, you know, Rudyard's still going to be strong. The Sioux, I think, is, is going to be very strong next year, and you can't count out Newberry. They're, they're kind of a, a dangerous team down there, but St. Ignace is kind of the one I'm keeping my eye on. Uh, that Johnny Angles, he's fun to watch. I think St. Ignace coming in is, is the team to, to look out for, and, and Sioux High will be right there, too, in the Straits Area Conference. And then it drops off a little bit. Rudyard, of course, is going to be going through a retooling phase. Uh, Newberry, as you mentioned, they're, they're kind of an X factor as well. But if you're just looking at the Straits Area Conference, I think uh, you know it comes down to the Sioux and St. Ignace, uh, no, no doubt about it. Because you, know, you mentioned Johnny Ingles is a dynamic player. He can take over the game. He has some good complementary players to go with. And I, I said all along this year, I thought they were the team to look out for. I, I said they were a dark horse, and they upset Rudyard. 
uh, they split with the Sioux, and I, I think uh, you're, you're right. It comes down to those two teams, and uh, we'll see how it all shakes out from the Straits Area Conference from that point forward. And it was also a good year for Pickford basketball, Dave, their boys team who struggled throughout the regular season. They win a district, and how about the Pickford girls making it to their first quarterfinal in over 30 years uh, for the EUP Conference Honors? Kennedy Guild was named Conference Player of the Year, along with Madison Thermos and Lucy Bennon, all on the first team uh, as well uh, Brooklyn Bestman out of Rudyard and at Cedarville detour junior Taylor Williams but you know real good year for Pickford in basketball quarterfinal and uh, you know the boys team that only had a couple wins going into the district they win a district as well well, and I, I think, you know, we talked about it before, about what a great two, three-year run Rudyard Athletics has had uh, all the way across the board. I yep. mean, dominant. I mean, uh, you had the girls' softball team, Stevie Davis's team, able to get to a state championship game. You know, the Rudyard boys made it to the semis in the quarters this year. Football was uh, you know, a hook and ladder away from uh, <laughs> yeah. going to the Uper Dome <laughs> yep. for an eight-man championship, and they lost to Sutton's Bay down in Sutton's. Uh, you know, it was a great core group for Rudyard. I think going forward, Pickford's the team. Pickford's the school in the area that's going to be dominant here in the next couple of years in athletics on both the boys and girls sides. That girls basketball program is certainly on the rise. I didn't realize that it was their first district or regional championship in 30 some years. Yeah. I, I didn't, uh, that surprised me, but I think, you know, Christy Thermos has that program in the rise. There's good players coming up. They have a really good JV team. My niece is on the team. Good wingspan. She has, she's a wiry type figure in, uh, she'll be on that varsity next year with some good quality veterans. So I think Pickford girls are going to be right there again. Pickford boys are on the rise. They had a really good JV program. Steve McConkey, when he came on Coach's Corner, the head coach of the Panthers, the varsity team, he was looking forward to what they had coming up, coming up. So I think Pickford in the UP Conference is a team to look out for. Brimley is much improved. Jacques LeBlanc is doing a good job of building that boys program there in Brimley. So look out for Brimley. I think, you know, you mentioned Newberry is a dirt horse. Look out for Brimley down the road as well. But uh, I think going forward in the UP Conference uh, in boys and girls basketball, it's Pickford at the top of the class. All Straits Area Conference girls basketball team Allie Schultz from St. Ignace named Player of the Year. Other players on the first team, a trio of Suhai Juniors, Mackenzie Bell, Claire Erickson, and Laura Inarebner, along with Rudyard Senior Brooklyn Bestman and Sheboygan Junior Kenzie Burt. And, you know, you go looking ahead to next season, Dave. The Sioux and St. Ignace, probably the two in the mix, uh, maybe one of the other three. You know, Carlos always does a good job in Rudyard, uh, Newberry very down, and Sheboygan kind of in the middle. But looks like it's going to be uh, Benin versus Ingles again next season, at least uh, from the returning players they have coming. A lot of chalk at the Straits yes, Area Conference yes. of Girls Basketball. <laughs> it's uh, St. Ignace and Sioux High, Sioux High or St. Ignace. I think you'll see Rudyard drop off a little bit next year. Uh, and then, you know, not much to say about Newberry. They are just in dire straits yeah, right now. Yeah, it's a now. tough season. And uh, it's just a, a tough situation for them. And in Sheboygan, they just seem like they're in the middle, always going through the motions. You know, they, they've improved the last few years. But, you know, that conference is top-heavy, and it's always, uh, you know, one-two cynicness in the Sioux, really, in girls' hoops. We're going to take a break here on the game. When Dave and I come back, we will talk more local sports, including some changes involving a school very close to us as far as classification for the upcoming season. We'll also look ahead to the spring sports season and a whole lot more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. 
Central Savings Bank has been your hometown bank since 1902. They live where you live, and they're here to help. They understand that life happens, and so do overdrafts from time to time. Stop into one of their nine locations and ask the CSB family about their overdraft coverage options, like an overdraft sweep, where they can automatically transfer your money from one account to another to cover overdrafts. Apply for a personal reserve account. That is a line of credit to cover overdrafts. Or ask about their new overdraft privilege program for qualifying accounts. Central Savings Bank has all the conveniences you need and want for today's world. Get started by asking what the CSB family can do for you. Bank with the best. Bank with Central Savings Bank. Subject to credit approval. Fees may apply. Member FDIC EHL. Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. During the Jeep Celebration event, your good credit could let you drive off in a new 2022 Jeep Renegade. Buy with as much as $2,000 in incentives and financing for 0.9% for 60 months or 1.9% for 72 months. Or an ultra-low mileage lease on a new 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited. It's waiting for you with as much as $47.50 in rebates and incentives for just $4.49 a month plus tax and $33.95 due and signing. The Jeep Celebration event, all month long at O'Connor's of Pickford. Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on News Talk 1400. 632 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by special guests, the voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils and host of Coach's Corner, Dave Watson. Well, Dave, over the past couple days, you and I have been texting back and forth about the upcoming Michigan High School Athletic Association classifications for the 2022-23 school year. This is where, uh, based on enrollment, uh, which was uh, tabulated on February 9th, uh, some schools move down and some schools move up from a Class A or Class B, or you can also call it Division One or Division Two. And uh, one school in our area is moving on up. The Sioux High Blue Devils next season will be participating in Class A or Division One as their enrollment is increasing quite a bit. A big eighth grade class will be freshmen next year. So this will change the landscape a bit, Dave, as far as uh, especially the postseason when uh, you know districts are set. Uh, no longer will the Blue Devils be traveling downstate, at least to the uh, Boyne cities and the Kalkaskas of the world. They're going to be taking on uh, schools like Marquette, Petoskey, Gaylor, Nalpena, the other Class A schools in the area. I wanted your thoughts on that. You know, it's something the Blue Devils have been through before, but, uh, you know, this one kind of, I wouldn't say came out of nowhere, but, you know, the enrollment, as you were saying, increased by what, about 150? It was a net gain of 165, yeah. if my math is yep. correct, because they're at 719 uh, 
this year. And uh, as you mentioned, that's a huge freshman class. And I said to you, and you you mentioned you you knew it was a big class because your youngest boy is in that. Yep. But I, I said, boy, that's a huge class. I mean, to to gain that much and to jump up the way they did, I, it caught me off guard. I I hadn't heard it. Uh, there was uh, you know a, no scuttle about it as far as you know around the circles I'm at uh, when I'm at the games, but. Uh, you know, I don't think it changes a lot. Uh, these are all schools that Suhai plays, and in particular, girls basketball. I don't think it changes much. They'll no. be looked at as a favorite or a co-favorite in that district if it is the Traverse City schools, Central and West, uh, Gaylord, Alpena, Petoskey, and uh, Marquette, and then the Sioux. I don't know. Cadillac's also moving up, so I don't know if they they'll probably go perhaps into a different district because this one would be an eight team one. As it is, I believe, if my math's correct. Yeah. So it's so that's a big district, but they've been in it before. Uh, there was a three-year period there at Division One, uh, 2013, 14, and 15, and then they moved back in 16. Uh, so this is not anything new. Um, I think they'll be right there for girls basketball, boys basketball, a little more challenging. Uh, and then uh, as you, you'll mention here, there's uh, changes with football. They move from Division Four to Division Three. Um, that doesn't change much because the whole playoff thing has changed for football. There's some other issues that they got to deal with there because, and they ran into it last year, going six and three and not making the playoffs. Yeah, this won't affect hockey at least at this point. They haven't put the new classifications out, but I was looking at it, Dave, and uh, you know they don't co-opt the Suhai oh. Blue Devils don't co-opt, and so uh, they would will remain in Division Three baseball and softball will remain the same in this Division season. Two. Yeah, and, and next season. You know, football is the one, you know, and we've talked about it on this show. You've talked about it on Coach's Corner with the Blue Devils in that conference that they are in. And you look at next year's schedule, which is already out. The Blue Devils will play Escanaba, Grayling, Sheboygan, St. Ignace, Ogama Heights, Kingsley, Traverse City, St. Francis, Petoskey, and Benzie Central. Now, many of those teams are good teams. However, with the point system as they are set, one Division Three team next season, the Blue Devils will play its Petoskey. They'll play one Division Four team in Escanaba. Then they'll play three Division Five teams, Sheboygan, Ogama Heights, and Kingsley. One Division Six team in Grayling. Two Division Seven teams, Traverse City, St. Francis, and Benzie Central. And one Division Eight team in St. Ignace. So it was already hard enough, Dave, in Division Four for the Blue Devils. Now it gets a little bit tougher granted they're only moving up one division but again you're, you're taking on schools that are playing bigger schools because either they're in their conference or they're geographically located among these schools so what do the blue devils have to do moving forward in your opinion to be more competitive not on the field but in this playoff point system because you know the odds are pretty stacked against them not just being in this conference but geography wise first things first they're going to have to get out of this league, and it's unfortunate because it's a good league geographically, competitive-wise, but because of the way the numbers are, and uh, and it, this year was it was indicative of any year, the fact that they went 6-3 and three and didn't make the playoffs, and it was all because of their schedule and the point system and all that. Next year, we don't know what the, how the, that team's going to be. This is a really good, strong team they had this year. Next year... 
you know, they lose a lot of talent off this year's team, so we'll see what it brings. But I think, first and foremost, I think this will be their last year in the league. I think it has to be. And uh, then after that, I, I think you'll see maybe an assemblance of a football Big North Conference with the remaining Big North teams because the Traverse Cities moved out of uh, uh, Big North football. Yep. They're now down in the uh, Tri-Valley Conference uh, starting next year. So there's four football schools remaining in the Big North of Gaylord, Petoskey, um, Alpina in there as well, and uh, the Cadillac. Yep, I forgot Cadillac. Cadillac. And then you know, I, I think you'll see the Sioux perhaps, you know, join that or something like that. Uh, they're going to have to add add games, whether they're in a conference next year or not, because the conference won't be as big as the as the Northern Michigan Football League is. So you know, I I, I won't be surprised if you see a Marquette. Don't be surprised as well, because uh, from what I'm hearing, I would not be surprised that they add a Canadian school. I don't like that. Nothing against the. There's really good football over there. I just, I just don't think it it adds up to good quality football when you because they play a different, different style. style. And the fact that they, there's times that uh, Sioux Ontario team will play on a Thursday and then they're playing on a Saturday. Yep. It's just, I, I just don't. I don't like it, my own personal thing, but I understand why Suhai would have to do it because they're in a tough situation with the schedule. And, you know, if you're going to play bigger schools, you know, they're, they're already traveling three, four hours in some cases. So I get it from that. And also a budgetary thing. It's easier to have a team come across the international bridge in that you get a game in. And it also doesn't hurt you, I do believe, in your points. If you play a Superior Heights or a St. Mary's Collegiate, you still get, like, Class A points for right. that. So I get that. But I, I, I think things are going to be changing. And first things first, I absolutely think they're going to have to get out of this league. And, and this now, moving from four to three, that just is a nail in the coffin for me. News today that came out, Dave, from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Uh, their representative council approved some changes to next season. We're not going to go through all of them. The major one was beginning in the 2022-23 season. High school basketball games, or teams rather, can now play up to 22 regular season games at every level. That includes varsity, junior varsity, and freshmen. Uh, teams previously played a maximum of 20 games during the regular season. This adjustment brings MHSA school schedules in line with his which is allowed in other Midwest states. Uh, additionally, as part of that, of that proposal, mandatory preseason practice was reduced by one week, allowing teams to begin playing after 14 days instead of 21. So two more games to the schedule. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I didn't realize until I read that press release you uh, just recited there that the fact that uh, there's a lot of Midwest schools already do this. Yep. And so, you know, Hey, it increases the games that I don't think it will hurt the, the kids at all. And, you know, no fuss to it, no muss. And, you know, you know what, why not? I mean, it, and, uh, it goes up to 22 games and, you know, it's more regular season basketball. Dave, uh, spring sports season has already begun, if you can believe that, as yeah. the teams are practicing indoors for high school softball, high school baseball. You also have girls soccer, uh, track and field. Uh, you'll be covering Sioux High Blue Devil Boys and Girls Baseball uh, coming up here next month, which is only a few days away, if you can believe that. Uh, just first of all, your thoughts on uh, the Sioux High Blue Devil Boys 
baseball team and, and the, the girls softball team into the season. Obviously, it's going to be a little bit before they can get on the field locally, but they'll be playing some road games. Uh, just going into the season, what are your thoughts on those two programs? And I'll head uh, on the road here uh, to start the season. And right now, tentatively, April 23rd will be our first Blue Devil baseball games. I'm going to try to get down to Frankfurt, uh, just south of Traverse City in that neighborhood in Grand Traverse County and uh, get the Frankfurt uh, tournament. And they play in a tournament in Frankfurt. Both the baseball and softball do, but we'll cover baseball. That will be on that Saturday and uh, April 23rd. And then uh, a few other road trips in there. Uh, we hope to get on the field at some point in May. We'll see how it is because it's going to take some time. Looking at Sioux High Baseball, you know, I, I th- I'm looking forward to this team. And that was a young team last year with some quality young players. Uh, they have a loaded junior class. Uh, Matt and, uh, of course, you have the two uh, Lumsdens, Matt and Josh Lumsden, are two really good players, a good power hitter, a good pitcher, and then uh, – a slick, good, slick fielding with those two. Jake Davey, of course, is back uh, playing Blue Devil Baseball. And uh, a lot of good quality players, the Nooch, Jonah McShane. And then they got some good younger players coming up. Uh, the coach's son, Mike Bontrager, is a really good uh, pitcher. Uh, they have a Chambers kid that they say is a quality player. It's just similar to Shane Thompson when he had that transition, when he had a young team, and then uh, all of a sudden they made that run, if you remember, Scott, and going to the quarterfinals yeah. and then that regional semifinal. Appearance against a really good Muskegon Oak Ridge team. They have some good players coming up, and this is going to be a nice transitional year. I think they're going to be pretty good. I I think they'll be a good quality team. They're hosting the district this year, uh, the first week in June. Uh, I think a Wednesday game, and then uh, they'll have the semifinals and finals on the Saturday, June 3rd, at the James Field, and uh, they'll be in that that district, Raskanaba. Sheboygan's in there, along with Kingsford, Marquette, and uh, teams of that nature. And uh, th- that is always a fun district to uh, cover. But uh, I think the boys' baseball team will be pretty good for the Blue Devils softball. Lisa Schulte's Sioux High softball team is very young. They have a couple good vol- uh, veteran players. Audrey Smith heading to play college softball. She's a very good uh, hitter, good contact hitter. And then you have Hannah Maurer who can mash it. Uh, and they have a lot of young players. Uh, uh, Paris Kegaris is a very good speedster. And uh, just uh, several sophomores in there, a very young team but uh, they'll be competitive and Elisa always gets the best out of her teams they they almost went to a district final last year they had the uh, first inning there was one home run in the district semi remember Sheboygan yeah. hit a bomb yep. and then they didn't pitch to the girl the rest of the game and there was the only run in the game one nothing was the final and uh, that's how close they were to get into the district final and playing a really good Escanaba team but I think uh, Blue Devil Baseball is going to be really good this year in softball they're, they're going to be competitive and they're a very young team Lisa has and you know Rod Yard, uh, the favorites uh, in softball, but watch out for that Pickford team. Uh, They're a team on the rise, and uh, Billy Mitchell and what he does with the baseball program. I mean, you want to talk about uh, a program that's solid every th- single season. Uh, you got to put Rudyard softball and Rudyard baseball in there. I mean, really, over the past 10 years, both those programs have been incredibly good, and baseball even longer. So, you know, Rudyard's always going to put a good product on the field. Yeah, Rudyard has uh, got a really good program. You know, with the softball making the state championship, they've been good for a while. Rudyard baseball has been right there as well. 
well. And those will be two quality programs. You mentioned the PC Pirates, and uh, you know Dan Rambo has been coaching there for the Pirates. I don't know if he's still there or not going into this year. I do believe he is. He's got a good program, and I was impressed uh, last year with Matt Hudacek's softball team. They played Sioux High in a couple games, and they, they that they were long games, longer than what baseball you know normally is because the, the hitting just wouldn't stop. Yep. And they they have a really good quality young softball team too. So yeah, there's teams you know catching up a little bit you know rudyard's been good but I, I like you said i think the pc pirates are right there too dave we're going to take a break when we come back we will be joined by co-host butch davis from butch on sports and you will stick around for our round table we have a lot to discuss and we'll get to it coming up after the break you're listening to the game on news talk 1400 at Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs, because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at OMBLoans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals, FDIC insured equal housing lender don wilson insurance agency is big enough to serve and small enough to care don wilson insurance offers coverage from fremont insurance for personal auto home boat and commercial caring about community is just one of the things that sets us apart we like to think of it as teamwork when it comes to protecting the things that matter most we have you covered call don wilson insurance today for your free fremont insurance quote at 906-635-5600. Reed Metals in Dafter, your honest main source metal recycling business, hopes everyone is staying safe during this pandemic that just won't stop. Reed Metals is still paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, lead-based batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Reed Metals also buys copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals. Reed Metals wants to pay you for your scrap metals and scrap vehicles. Reed Metals also offers roll-off dumpsters service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Reed Metals is conveniently located only 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series motors and sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Scanners of Pickford, your tractor source in the north, Pickford, Michigan. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Are you a do-it-yourselfer homeowner or even a professional contractor and need quality electrical supplies? Maybe thinking about doing some upgrades and don't know where to start? Everything Electric has supplied the Eastern Upper Peninsula for over 40 years. Their experienced staff can help you choose the right supplies you need for your home business, farm projects, or anything in between. Call 906-632-1235 or come in and talk to the experienced guys at Everything Electric, 2893 Ashman, 
Sioux, Michigan. Ah, the joys of cooking. Just find a recipe, get the ingredients, preheat the oven. <laughs> okay, this is already too much. Pull up Applebee's to go instead. Choose from the whole menu, order and pay online, pick it up, and now you're home with dinner. Ah, the joys of not cooking. Applebee's to go. Now that's eating good in the neighborhood. Pick up your next meal with Applebee's Car Side to Go. Order and pay online, pick up, and head home. Getting the kids to practice on time. Remembering if it's your day to bring snacks. Making it to the game with a clean jersey. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with auto owners, insurance doesn't have to be one of them. Auto owners works with independent agents who answer when you call. So you can worry about more important things. Like whether your kid is going to run toward first or third base. That's simple human sense. Madigan Pingator, your independent auto owner's agency on West Water Street in the Sioux. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason on News Talk 1400. And welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Dave Watson in studio. And joining us now, co-host of the game and host of Butch on Sports, Butch Davis. You can find a brand new edition of Butch on Sports from this past weekend on his website, Simply Butch 2. That's T-O-O dot Podomatic dot com. Or you can go to our website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. You can also find Butch on Sports on Facebook. Just look up Butch on Sports. Uh, Butch, how you doing on this uh, Tuesday night, sir? Uh, getting ready for the storm here. Uh, the weather is pretty subpar here right now for school spring break here. Yeah, spring break uh, is going on here as well, Butch, and we're supposed to get snow, ice, and then rain today. I don't know if you're going to get any of that ice, but uh, still a lot of snow on the ground. Oh, you're getting the ice first. Well, Butch, uh, we're joined by Dave Watson here for our round table, and uh, we talked about the local aspect of the high school boys basketball finals this weekend, and I wanted your thoughts in Division 4. You and Trout Creek, uh, the team that knocked off Rudyard, uh, fell to Wyoming, Wyoming Tri-Unity Christian in overtime 56-45. to In Division 3, Menominee, another UP team, uh, they fall to Schoolcraft 59-49 to in Division three, Division two, Williamston over Grand Rapids Catholic Central in a real good game in overtime, 68 to 65. And Warren De La Salle, pretty close to your neck of the woods, Butch uh, wins Division one's championship, 67 to 58. I wanted your thoughts, Butch. And then we'll go to Dave Watson for his. No big talks there. You know, no one really, really local other than Warren De La Salle winning out there on the thing. But do you know? My pleasure there. I think it went off pretty good without a hitch there. Um, it, there were many uh, obstacles in the way. Uh, many of the schools had to seem to persevere all of that and get this done there. I, again, I saw an e-course team that was 5-15 and 15 go all the way to the semifinals. That's what this uh, tournament is all about, and hopefully it, it gets better and better there. But, again, basketball – in college as well as in high school, it's the best time of the year when it comes down to March Madness and, and, and watching the kids, girls and boys alike, play ball. And Dave, you and I were watching uh, the Division Four game on Coach's Corner there. Uh, certainly the UP doing very well, not getting a state championship, but having two teams get to the boys' finals for the first time since the mid-90s. Uh, your thoughts on some of those games uh, this weekend? 
Well, I agree with Butch. I thought those were uh, pretty good games. And, uh, you know, we watched the Division 4 one when we were doing Coach's Corner in the, the commercial breaks. I did not get to see Menominee play, but they played uh, a very uh, tough uh, schoolcraft team, able to, you know, uh, push them pretty good and ended up losing by 10. But you and Trout Creek, I thought they had that D4 title there, the way they were battling pretty good. But, yep. uh, no, all four games are good quality games. And uh, the UP represented well with those two teams in. And we mentioned earlier, first time since 1995. So, really a good year of high school boys basketball i'm going to throw this question out to both of you i'll start with you butch uh lots of times uh when we have the smaller schools uh, that go down to these state finals uh, you'll hear uh, many people say when they play these private schools like the uh you know the i can't even think of some here dave help me wyoming out. Trainer, yes Christian, that's the yeah. one i was thinking of uh, it, it's kind of an unfair advantage for a lot of these private schools who many times recruit uh, not just locally but all around the area and i just wanted your thoughts on this butch and then go to dave as far as does the mhsa need to uh change the way they do business as far as making it a little unfair for these small schools that have uh, you know not a whole lot of players to choose from, or do you think it's fine the way it is? Butch, you first. Well, I can flip that around there. That private schools have a huge advantage because they get to go there and they're, they're paying the cost to be the boss. <clears throat> and then also, those particular private schools, when it comes down to recruiting, and I don't know if a lot of people know this or not, but they offer kids scholarships, okay, to negate paying a tuition or anything of that nature there. So, you know, some of the private schools that are very delectable, such as Detroit Country Day would be one, uh, Wyoming, the Wyoming team that you mentioned and whatnot, there would be another one there that's a private institution that basically they work off uh, the tuition coming in. But, again, they have the ability to go uh, – anywhere and offer a kid if they want to come to the school and play ball a good education as well as uh having uh their um tuition ciphered in other in other ways there dave your thoughts i mean when you have a team like uh, rudyard that goes down there when the school has a hundred and some odd students and you know they make the state finals and then they match up against one of these teams is it something in your opinion that needs to be changed this has been an argument that goes back for the dawn of time. I yes, think. And yes. We were talking about this, you know, I remember, you know, 30 years ago and going back to when I started broadcasting games and uh, doing Sioux High girls basketball back 1999 when they went 20 and 0 and they ran into uh, Detroit Country Day yep. in the semifinals of Mount Pleasant, only down by two at the half and losing by 12. And, you know, there's, you know, I still remember the young lady's name, Jennifer Thomas, who started at North Carolina. Uh, played for the Yellow Jackets, and uh, you know, I I'm kind of you know on the the cusp of it is yeah you know yeah you can go ahead and say it's David against Goliath, which it is, but and I, I just don't see them changing it. Mark Ewell was asked this re- recently uh, last week in an interview, and he was pretty steadfast against it. And he he always brings data to the equation right. and says you know you look at he threw out like sports like swimming, and he said you know they were all public school champions. But, you know, you look at this year, you know, boys basketball, you had, I think, two public schools winning the boys basketball yep. titles. Hockey, there was a lot of chalk. There was a lot of private schools there. But I think uh, two titles, if I'm not mistaken, went to public schools. But I, 
you know, you could make a case to have a public school one. I know there's a Facebook uh, page uh, uh, for Fair Play. I think it's something called, and I subscribe to just to see what they're saying. But I don't see it changing. And you know, when you do beat the, those big schools, it's and we've seen it before in a few times. Not often. It's it's all, 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 always a feather in the cap. But you know, Butch makes a good point about you know these you know schools, uh, private schools are able to uh, have scholarships and things of that nature. The one thing I'll throw out, Menominee a good example. Menominee and boys basketball made it down to the state championship. They played in the quarterfinals here in Sault Ste. Marie at the Sioux High Gym against Grayling. They beat Grayling and that night they put out a, a press release looking for fundraising so their kids can get down to Lansing because Menominee to Lansing is about nine oh, hours. Trip, yeah. Menominee's in the southwest side of the Upper Peninsula right on the Wisconsin border. It's uh, nearly five hours to Sault Ste. Marie. They stayed in Sault Ste. Marie that night after beating Grayling. So that's another night at the hotel where let's say Sault Ste. Marie was able to get to the quarters and then they get to the semis. In a lot of cases, Sault Ste. Marie would come back to the Sioux and then they would travel off to Lansing. These Western UP schools, they can't do that. So that's another thing is that you got schools coming from long distances and public schools and of course their budget, they have budgetary concerns like anybody else and they have to fundraise like Menominee did. I'm sure you and Trail Creek had to do the same thing to be able to get down there because of course at the price of gas and everything else, <laughs> not it's, it's, not, it's not cheap but I, I don't I don't see it changing. I understand the argument, but uh, they've been doing this for a long time. Yep. Back in our day, Dave, uh, with uh, Sioux High Hockey, uh, how many times did they beat or meet Cranbrook in, yeah. in the finals? But you want to add something before we go to our final break? And, and the, this is a thought that should be going through the, through the minds of a lot of people there. Why will we have every year the basketball championship in Lansing when you have a dome up there close to you guys up there that can facilitate everybody? And I'm quite sure the hotels can do as well. You know, why can't you rotate some of these things there? This is the same thing that they're saying down south here. Why is it not that Little Caesars Arena doesn't get something, or up north again, doesn't get something that basically uh, the fairness of the travel goes on everybody, not just the chosen few or the ones or the smaller schools that basically may not have that budget or may not have the uh, electricity to uh, to get money or gain money to, to send these kids down there. I agree with Butch. Absolutely. That's a great, great idea, idea sure to is. moving around. And, and I'll even, I don't know if, you know, legalities wise that they could do this. I would, wouldn't think it would be a problem is have a bidding process like the NCA. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I, like Marquette or Sault Ste. Marie and, you know, one year port Huron or whoever. And like, you know, Marquette's here, another place. Mar Marquette, Mar Marquette, definitely. They, you mentioned the dome, Butch. You also had the Berry Center, which you could have basketball and exactly. hockey. Yep. Uh, up at Michigan Tech, they have a beautiful facility they hosted the hockey finals when Sioux high was in it back in 1988 yeah they got a one year um here in Sioux st marie the able arena that would be perfect for hockey uh and uh, they they have a 4,000 seat venue yep. i mean that would be just fine and then downstate there's some wonderful venues uh, that you could have it and all you know reaches of the state whether go to kalamazoo one year you know go over to the suburban detroit traverse city traverse city i mean you could move it around and it could be lucrative for the MIT say if you have a bidding process these uh, cities will go for it and like you know butch says it would be a boom to the communities too butch we'll get on mark yule coming up and uh, i want you on the interview so we can pose that question to him mm -hmm. 
We're going to take a break here, guys. Top of the hour break. And we, when we come back, we will talk more sports in our number two and start with March Madness for both the men and the women in basketball. This is the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, News Talk 1400. Paul Thompson here with Gaylor Thompson Sales and Service, just off I-75 in Rudyard, inviting you to stop in and see the largest selection of equipment in the eastern Upper Peninsula. To complement our full line of Mahinder tractors, we have trailers including goosenecks, dumps, cargos, car haulers, and utility trailers. We also have a full line of lawn and garden equipment with Cub Cadet and Exmark. Over 50 mowers to choose from, a full line of parts, and we service what we sell. Looking for an outdoor wood or pellet furnace or parts? We stock water pumps, exchangers, peck supplies, and more. Also, Check out our full line of Boss and Fisher Snow and Ice Equipment. Here at Gaylor Thompson and Rudyard, we are open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and Saturdays, 9 to noon, for your convenience. Just off I-75 in Rudyard, 30 minutes from the bridge. If you need it, we have it. Give us a call at 906-478-3026. Hope to see you here. Let's get to the second half of the game on News Talk 1400 WKNW, Sioux Ste. Marie. It's the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Now, here's Scott Nason. And welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by our guest tonight, Dave Watson from Coach's Corner and Voice of the Sioux High Blue Devils, along with co-host Butch Davis from Butch on Sports. Gentlemen, let's move on to March Madness. And Butch, I will go to you first. So let's start with the men. Uh, certainly this year's NCAA tournament has offered uh, quite a few upsets. Uh, one of the best postseason events in recent history, St. Peter's, a school with just under 3,000 students, made the Elite Eight as a 15 seed. Three of the top seeds, Baylor, Arizona, and Gonzaga, were eliminated before the second weekend. The ACC sends three teams to the Elite Eight. The Big Ten had none. However, the four teams remaining are what you call blue bloods in the world of college basketball. Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, and Villanova all advancing to the final four. Duke will take on North Carolina. Kansas will take on Villanova. Guys, lots to talk about here in this tournament. Butch, I'll go to you first and your thoughts. Well, it's just the way everybody predicted. If they did predict that way, I know uh, myself personally, I picked Gonzaga. They're no longer be uh, serviceable in this particular tournament here. But you have the teams right now that have been uh, sharp all year. The North Carolina, that's not a, 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 a shot to head to that particular institution there. They are blue bloods in this particular tournament for years and years and years. And for them to come up there and come up big uh, is a feather in their cap, along with Duke. And they're going to play again for the third time this year. So that's something to watch. I'm quite sure they're going to get their viewership and then some there. Uh, it, this has been pretty doggone good, very competitive. The nice thing I saw about the whole situation is is that the teams that you didn't think were nothing, they came on up very proud. And it brings to my point again that the NCAA got to do a better job of scheduling and having teams such as a, a Duke go down to maybe a St. Peter's or vice versa there, not so much – 
the the rich schools send for the uh, the non-advantaged schools, such as maybe a St. Peter's, to come down to their house, but vice versa in their in their home and whatnot, and, and do some bidding there. I think it'll be a lot more even, Stephen, in that regards, and you'll get a lot more interest when you see these particular teams that are capable of any given day uh, getting a victory, uh, bring some surprises to their home to their home courts as well. Dave, uh, your thoughts? Uh, my bracket very busted up. I also had Gonzaga. Credit to my wife, Becky. She had Duke and Kansas in the national championship game, so she's still alive. Your bracket and your thoughts on uh, March Madness for the men? I, I did two brackets, and they both were blown to smithereens <laughs> like everybody else. I had uh, Arizona winning uh, in one and then over Kentucky, and then I had Purdue winning over Kansas. So, uh, you know, Kansas is still alive. Yeah, I agree with Butch. It's been a really good tournament, and, uh, you know, everybody likes the Cinderella stories, and, you know, St. Peter's certainly was that. And, you know, I found it interesting. You know, everybody said it's the uh, it's the bad year for the ACC. Yeah. And even before the tournament, are they going to get, you know, three teams in? They're right. talking just three teams. Right. And then Virginia Tech winning the conference tournament allowed them to get five in. Otherwise, they probably would have ended up with just three or four or whatever the case was. But they get three teams teams in the Sweet 16. They have two of them in the uh, semifinals in the the Big uh, Big 10 with nine teams and now they're over. They're uh, all getting ready for golf season. And then, you know, the Big 12 had a pretty good showing as well, but uh, you look forward to the final four and you know, like you guys were saying, you know, Turner and CBS had been doing backflips even oh though St. Peter's is a nice story yeah. to have Coach Kane his last year play North Carolina after North Carolina woodshed a Duke at Cameron and I think that was a turning point for North Carolina I did too. because they went in and they absolutely woodshedded them and they've been red hot ever since. Yeah, you know, my thoughts on the tournament, I agree with both you guys. It's been a very watchable tournament. It always is. And it's the one sport and the one tournament where literally anybody can win because every team has a shot and no look no further than St. Peter's. I mean, this is a team that was a 15th seed and they make it to the elite eight ran out of gas on Sunday against a very good North Carolina team. But uh, you know, the big 10 again, and I alluded to it when we started looking at the tournament a couple weeks ago here is just, you know, how many years has this happened? You had nine teams get in and, and only one team making it to this. Well, two teams making it, to the Sweet 16 with Michigan and then Purdue, you know, I really was surprised that they lost to St. Peter's. That one shocked me. But uh, the question I'll follow up with, we'll start with you, Butch, is why does the Big Ten have so much trouble in this tournament? I mean, all these other conferences seem to be able to figure it out and get teams in the final and win championships. You know, you got to go back to 2000 in Michigan State as far as the Big Ten. What What's the reason, in your opinion, Butch and then Dave, does the Big Ten just seem to falter in these situations? Coaching. Coaching. It's always the same situation there. And the four teams you see right now got some of the best coaches yep. in, in in the country, if not the world, okay, when it comes down to basketball, okay? If you look at the Big Ten this year, uh, a lot of, you know, complaints that we've had on this show, okay, is some of the coaching. I, we looked at Michigan State, okay, and we couldn't we couldn't figure out why they didn't use certain indi- individuals to uh, harness their way of getting uh, going up the ladder there, okay, with Brown and some of the other players who were very, very good at the beginning of the games, and 
seemed like they never feed them there. It's, it's always coaching there it would be the mainstay on why those particular teams didn't make it and why you see the team that we see today in the Final Four are in it because of the coaches. I don't I, I can't scramble my head around there and see why the Big Ten, but that's one thing I point out is the coaching of those particular teams that we see now is the best in the business versus what we see in the Big Ten. That's not shabby. They have a, a brutal league and a brutal schedule when it comes down to playing one another, and they may have something to do with it as well. But, again, it always comes down to coaching. Yeah, Dave, I would agree. Uh, you look at the four remaining teams, obviously coaching very strong for both for those teams. But uh, what are your thoughts as far as the Big Ten just uh, continuing to not able to step up during the tournament? I agree with what Butch said there. I, I think, you know, it, it comes down to coaching. You look at, I use as an example, look at Villanova. They're playing a rotation of six players, seven players, and then the one kid got hurt. I don't think he's playing in the final four. At least they're not saying he is. And Jay Wright continues to, you know, get these teams motivated and, and get them to the final four. And I think the other thing is scheduling too. Um, some of these schools play murderer's row as far as non-conference. I get it. You know, TV and you know, like Michigan State oh, always yeah. plays tough non-conference. And, yeah, you want to play the Kentuckys and the Dukes, but, you know, and get yourself stronger for the Big Ten season. But at the same time, I think it hurts you because the Big Ten is murderer's row as it is. And so, you know, I, I you know, I agree with the, the fact of understanding that, yeah, you want to play these bigger schools and put them on national TV and that for the non-conference. But some of these schools play play just murderers row and it's like you still got a big 10 slate coming up you know and it's not easy to go into purdue to champagne illinois to get a win but uh, no i i agree with what you guys are saying and butch hits it on the head you know coaching in the end is especially in the ncaa tournament it's a, it's about the coaches yeah and i think uh moving forward and you know nine teams in a conference i just don't like because you eliminate some of the littler guys and i'm a big proponent of having some more of the the little guys in the tournament i just don't think a conference should get nine teams in, especially a conference that year in and year out doesn't seem to perform. And, and I would agree with both you guys, uh, the scheduling, you know, getting these marquee uh, tip-off classics and, uh, you know, the Bermuda one or the Bahamas or whatever it is, I think they need to look at that. Uh, final thought on the men's tournament, gentlemen. Uh, Butch, will go to you first. Uh, Duke versus North Carolina, Kansas versus Villanova. Uh, you know, my brackets are shot. I, I need some help as far as uh, this week and uh, what are your guys' thoughts on how things shake out this weekend, Butch? <laughs> I don't have a thought at all. I don't either. Every one of these coaches have been in the dance more than once, okay? So this is going to be a crapshoot. Uh, I'm going to say I, I can be sentimental about this, and I guess I will be sentimental and say Duke could be in there. As well as, you know, I like Candace, but I like Villanova better here. All right, Dave, uh, first time ever Duke and North Carolina meeting in the NCAA tournament. Two teams very familiar with themselves. Uh, how do you th see things shaking out this weekend? I think that's the national championship game, Duke-North Carolina, and I I agree with Butch. I think Duke wins it, and 
I think they'll end up playing Kansas. I think Kansas in the end is probably going to woodshed Villanova. I mean, you know, it's a nice story, but boy, Villanova doesn't have enough juice. You know, they don't, they, I think play maybe six players and, and Kansas seemed to really turn it on against Miami, who really had a good tournament in the, that second half. Uh, I like the McCormick kid down low for the Jayhawks. So I, I think it's going to be Kansas and Duke and I'll have Duke cutting down the nets. Uh, of course, you know, my brackets already smashed as it is, but I, I think it's going to be Duke winning this one here and and I think that game in North Carolina is going to be a dandy. I really like how Duke plays defense. I mean that Banchero kid is something else and I think the Fun to watch. the turning point for Duke guys for me was the Michigan State game yep. because they were able to win that and I said okay now and then after that, I, I kind of wondered how they would be against Texas Tech because Texas Tech plays really good defense. They're a veteran team. They had like I think four of their five players out of the transfer portal. But I think that win over Izzo and the Spartans that was a turning point for Duke. I just how Duke plays defense and their their guys are stepping up. I have them going all the way. I just think it's destiny. Coach K last tournament, one of the greatest coaches of all time in college basketball. I wish I would have thought of this two weeks ago when I was filling out my bracket. So I like Duke over North Carolina, you know, Kansas Villanova. Those are two really good teams. They've both played well, uh, very consistent throughout their tournament run. Uh, I'll, I'll give the slight edge to Kansas, although I think Villanova easily could win that game. And I got coach K cutting down the nets on Monday night. Uh, certainly Duke, not a team I'm a especially fond of but you know you have to respect the job that coach k has done in duke and he's gonna go out a winner gentlemen let's move on to the women's final four uh not as many surprises although you did have a couple 10 seeds do very well in creighton and south dakota both making it to the sweet 16 yukon uh, wins a thrilling game last night in double overtime 91 to 87 over nc state making their 14th consecutive final four that is absolutely Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Other teams in it, all one seeds, Louisville, along with South Carolina and Stanford. So, you know, like years past, Butch, the top seeds usually advance uh, in the women's tournament. They did. Michigan had a good run. Uh, They lose to Louisville last night. Uh, Your thoughts on the women's tournament? (laughs) Crapshoot here. I mean, big time crapshoot there. Uh, I don't think you know what you're going to get until you see it gotten, but right now my edge is for uh, South Carolina to repeat there. That's that's just my bet on the whole situation there. I like Connecticut because they got shooters there. They don't mind shooting the ball, and they won't quit shooting the ball, and good things come out of it when you don't quit. Louisville, I've seen before, they have a very good defensive team, and they like to run, okay? Stanford is another shooting team, but they play too much close to the edge, and that's where I'm picking on uh, South Carolina to take this whole uh, fried potatoes and, and, and turn it into hash here. Dave, the semifinals will be on Friday, Louisville against South Carolina, UConn against Stanford. Uh, you want to talk about chalk. I don't think you could have more chalk than that bracket. No, and, and the women's tournament, you know, there's been a lot of good competitive basketball. Sure the, the women's game is on the upswing, I, I think. You know, a few years ago, it was kind of going through a stalemate, I thought. But it, they were definitely on the upswing, and there's some really good uh, programs out there. 
that NC State Connecticut game, is, you know, double overtime. Oh, NC State is good. Yeah. They are really good, and they and you know, that program down the road, uh, look out for them. And you know, I I agree with Butch. You know, UConn uh, it was a nice story, and uh, they were able to squeak it out. They were, of course, not too far down the road in Bridgeport yeah. playing that regional as final as a two seed. As a two seed, <laughs> you know, th- I'm sure NC State enjoyed that. But I agree with Butch. I think South Carolina has the edge here in this one, and uh, Michigan great effort against Louisville I mean that the the gal the the big for them uh, was outstanding in that game and uh, you know Michigan had another quality year able to go deep into the tournament and uh, you know you look at a lot of chalk as you mentioned but I, I like South Carolina to win this whole thing I'm going to take UConn only because I put a little uh, wager on them a couple weeks ago to win the whole thing. But it, really, any of those four teams could win. They're all very good teams. And certainly the women's tournament has been as exciting as the men's tournament, at least in my opinion. Gentlemen, we're going to take a break. We come back. We will transition to NCAA hockey. We'll also talk about the Detroit Red Wings, the Pistons, the Tigers, the Lions, all sorts of things to talk about. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game, a News Talk 1400. Central Savings Bank has been your hometown bank since 1902. They live where you live, and they're here to help. They understand that life happens, and so do overdrafts from time to time. Stop into one of their nine locations and ask the CSB family about their overdraft coverage options, like an overdraft sweep, where they can automatically transfer your money from one account to another to cover overdrafts. Apply for a personal reserve account that is a line of credit to cover overdrafts, or ask about their new overdraft privilege program for qualifying accounts. Central Savings Bank has all the conveniences you need and want for today's world. Get started by asking what the CSB family can do for you. Bank with the best. Bank with Central Savings Bank. Subject to credit approval. Fees may apply. Member FDIC EHL. Water Systems has a solution for all your water needs. Want clean, fresh drinking water? MNC Water Systems proudly distributes Norway Springs artesian water, bottled right here in the Upper Peninsula. Cooler rental and bottled water delivery for your home and office are available. MNC Water Systems is offering contactless delivery right to your door, as well as curbside pickup. Call Mo at MNC Water Systems today at 906-647-7307. Serving the Eastern UP for over 25 years. During the Jeep Celebration event, your good credit could let you drive off in a new 2022 Jeep Renegade. Buy with as much as $2,000 in incentives and financing for 0.9% for 60 months or 1.9% for 72 months. Or an ultra-low mileage lease on a new 2022 Jeep Grand Cherokee Limited. It's waiting for you with as much as $47.50 in rebates and incentives for just $4.49 a month plus tax and $33.95 due and signing. The Jeep Celebration event, all month long at O'Connor's of Pickford. At Old Mission Bank, we're ready to make your home ownership dreams a reality. We're excited to announce that we now offer USDA home loans with options for 100% financing. You heard that right, 100% financing for qualifying USDA mortgages. Come see our experienced lenders to discuss your personal options and let us find the right mortgage for your needs because it's what we do best. Act now to pre-qualify by calling us or apply directly online at ombloans.com. We're Old Mission Bank, home of your experienced local mortgage professionals. FDIC insured equal housing lender. 
Let's get back to the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. Let's get back to the game on News Talk 1400. 719 on the game, News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by Dave Watson and Butch Davis for our round table. And gentlemen, let's move on to the NCAA Hockey Frozen Four. Two Big Ten teams, one CCHA team and one NCHC team have advanced to the Frozen Four. Minnesota State, the top seed in their region, knocking off Harvard in their opening game before eliminating Notre Dame. Sorry about that, yeah. Dave. One to nothing on Saturday. Uh, other teams advancing Michigan the top seed in their region uh, they had little trouble as they knocked off American International 5-3 to three and then ran all, all over Quinnipiac 7-4 to four. they will meet Denver in the Frozen 4 in Boston Denver a top seed in their region edging out UMass Lowell 3-2 to two, and then dispatching of Minnesota Duluth 2-1 to one on Saturday the other team advancing Minnesota first Frozen 4 in 8 years as they knocked off defending champ UMass 4-3 to three, and then a top-seeded Western Michigan in the finals. So you have Minnesota State and Minnesota, Michigan and Denver, uh, Butch, uh, some uh, blue blood programs in college hockey as well, uh, Michigan making it to the final four. Your thoughts? Yeah, at least one Michigan team made it to the, yep. the treasury, but we had a lot of we had Western Michigan, we had Michigan Tech uh, joining to the, the 16 uh same as Minnesota, that Minnesota Duluth, Minnesota State, Minnesota, and both State and Minnesota. I didn't know they had a Minnesota State until this year, but <laughs> I know something now, and they're going to play Minnesota for the rights of uh, homage there, and that should be a pretty doggone good game. That was it's one that's keeping my interest, and of course I'm going to be voting for Michigan to win the other game there. And Butch, our good friend Dave Watson here, will be attending the Frozen Four in Boston coming up in a couple weeks. Uh, Dave, uh, not a lot of real shocking results out of those. Uh, I agree with Butch. I think Michigan is probably the team to beat of those four. Uh, Minnesota State, you know, a couple years ago, they never won an NCAA tournament game. They get back to the Frozen Four. Your thoughts on the field in Boston? Well, I, I going in, I said Michigan, I think, was head and shoulders above. It was a couple predictions I had. I thought there would be three National Hockey Conference teams making the Frozen Four in Michigan. Uh, I knew the East, I I really didn't think the East would be able to have anybody. UMass was the best team out of that, uh, them and Quinnipiac, I thought, going in. And then Quinnipiac's the only one that was able to get to uh, day two of the of the regionals, but uh, I think it's Butch is right. I think Michigan's uh, the team to beat. Um, I watched them against Quinnipiac, and they just dominated Quinnipiac, who's a really good team, a really good defensive team. You got a Michigan team with the first four draft picks in last year's draft are on Michigan. Yeah, they had seven first rounders overall, and the goaltender's pretty good too. And uh, so Mi- Michigan's, I think, uh, head and shoulders above going in. Denver's a good quality program, but uh, you look at it, uh, it was a little more different than. I thought only one National Hockey Conference team got in. Uh, Notre Dame kind of helped that with uh, beating North Dakota in yep. day one. And so you, you have Denver in there. That was a, so that's the one team or the one region I thought if Minnesota Duluth beat Denver, 
I thought that's the team that could be problematic for Michigan because Minnesota Duluth has a really good goaltender in Fanti who has been robbing uh, teams and robbing games all the way across. So he's like a wall. Denver was able to win 2-1 to one in a tight-fisted game in Loveland, Colorado on Saturday, and that kind of changed it a little bit. Now I have Michigan, I think, head and shoulders above. Denver will give them a good game, but, boy, Michigan looks just so talented. And the Big Ten, I think, is finally starting to awaken in college hockey. We've been waiting. Waiting for the Big Ten to, to show that the, they're right up there on the same tier of the National Hockey Conference. I still don't think they're there where the National Hockey Conference is, but they, they get two teams in, and Minnesota's playing really good hockey. And uh, I think there'll be really good games. In Minnesota State, they have Dryden McKay, the yeah. goaltender, who's been there, I think, Forever. for 100 years now. Yeah. And, uh, of course, you know, I, we're hoping uh, the Mavericks play well because they're out of the CCHA with Lake State. But I think it's going to be a good Frozen Four, and it's been a really good tournament thus far. Yeah, it has. As indeed. Uh, gentlemen, let's move on to the Detroit Red Wings. Ugh. The bottom fell out yet again for the Red Wings on Sunday as they were, I'll just say it, embarrassed by the Pittsburgh Penguins 11-2. A promising start and a lot of young talent haven't come to fruition during the regular season as the Wings certainly have faltered, especially defensively. And reading between the lines on what has been said by general manager Steve Eiserman as far as the future of head coach Jeff Blaschel seems to be very much in question. The Wings will be at home to the New York Rangers on Wednesday and then have a home-and-home home series against Ottawa. Butch, uh, you know, the Wings have had some horrendous games. I go back to that Arizona game where they were embarrassed at home 9-2. to two. And then we saw Sunday, uh, just defensively, this team is an absolute mess. They're out of the playoff picture, and the promising start seems to have uh, gone by the wayside as the season goes along. Well, <clears throat> you know, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, that's the way the cookie crumbles. But I think you said it best. I think right now the Red Wings have to make a decision with a head coach right now there. The head coach is going to be the answer to the whole situation because, again, the influence of any coach on their players have to be top-notch. <clears throat> and the Red Wings for the last seven years right now, and I say at least six of those years, have not played very good defensive all there. It, they, it, it's been pitiful there. And this year was pitiful to watch because we saw so much promise in the early part of the season in the mid part, and now they're getting down to the, the the final third of the season, and they just they just look very unattended. Every last one of them, okay, from the forwards down to the defensemen. If you're a forward and you're not forechecking, and you're a defenseman, and you're not defending and helping your goalie out. You're not going to win too many games, and right now teams are crushing the Red Wings left and right there in in regards to their lack of uh, play or sportsmanship, whatever you want to call it. But the Red Wings look pretty sloppy right now, and I think Steve Eisman has his hand full on what decisions he needs to make in order for this team to climb out the ladder and, and go to the next level. And Dave, you and I have been chatting uh, back and forth over the past week about head coach Jeff Flashel. I mean, certainly it's a guy we want to do well, uh, you know, from the Sioux. We mm -hmm. went to school with the guy. But it's a results-oriented league, and you have to look at the big picture and the full body of work. You know, when Blasio got there, certainly the cupboard was bare. While the cupboard may not be as bare, there's certainly a lot of talent on that team. And at some point, you got to look at the coach and say, yeah, maybe it's time for a change. Your thought on that and the wings? 
Well, I, I think they're in a position where it's they, they're going to have to make a move. And, you know, I watched the, the game against Pittsburgh for a little bit the other day, and I'm, I'm watching it. And, you know, guys, I, I, I think, you know, they're not listening anymore in the, in the locker room. That's a problem. And when you lose them in the locker room, and that's just from what I'm seeing, and Butch kind of alluded to it, when I'm seeing on the ice, they're not listening to the message anymore. When you lose that, uh, then you got to make some tough decisions. Steve Eiserman's been a little more vague than he normally has. Yep. He's always been staunch about Blashill. And, and you know what? I understood why they gave Jeff a little bit longer of a leash because he, as you pointed out, he was put in a tough position, took over. The cupboard was getting close to bare. Guys were retiring. You know, they were moving into a rebuilding phase. I, I don't think Kenny Holland did, did Blash any favors with some of his free agent signings they, that uh, I, I didn't understand. A lot of people didn't. But uh, uh, you know, the, the, he was put in a tough position. I think he's a still a really good coach, and I think he'll get another job. But uh, I, I think we've run its course here. And you know, it's funny. He's from the Sioux. You know, we are kind of sentimental about it, you and I, Scott, because you know we grew up with him, grew up with his brother Timmy. Yep. But uh, at the same time, you talk around people here at the Sioux, diehard Red Rig fans, they feel it's time for a change. So you know, you're sentimental to a point, but you know, you love your team, and that's you know, Hockey Town USA. They're the you know. You talk to people around here, you know, they say, yeah, it's time for a change. I, I think it is time for a change. I, I, I'll be shocked if they don't end up in that direction. My question to you guys, you know, where do they go? I mean, it's going to be interesting with the, some of the what happens with the, the different teams and who's available because there's going to be coaches that will be fired and might look uh, attractive to the Red Wings. You know, my question to, uh, to you, Scott, and to Butch is, you know, you know who do you think's out there? Butch, uh, you've had some thoughts on this uh, throughout our time together. Uh, what, what, what is your answer to Dave's question? <clears throat> well, I think they blew it when they should have got last year, just got no. Gerard Gallant. I That's who I want. I knew, I knew you were going there. At his current state, which would have been the beginning of this season, to work with this team in, a, in such a manner where they would have got uh, different directions, uh, finding out if, this could, uh, if the players can buy into what he needs to do. And also, when you win a bunch of kids for seven years, and, and which Blasso has been, you have a tendency to lose certain advantages when it comes down to getting a, a, a player geeked up and all. And right now, that's what I think the question is: Where do you go now? I mean, who do you come out get out of the wet wash to come to Detroit if he, they decide to get rid of him in order to have some influence over the players you have right now? And you're going to be bringing in more younger players who are skilled players, probably would do a lot better than what we have right now. And how do you get them motivated? I think that's a huge question right now that Steve Eisenman has to put in force from him there. And right now, I don't see any coaches right now that stand out that's going to lose their job or be able to barter with their team and they don't do something where they end up coming here to Detroit and getting a better deal. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you, Butch. I, I was big on Gerard Gallant, Dave. Uh, you know, when you said that, nodded his head. You knew he knew you were going to go in that direction. And uh, you know, I I expect 
if not before the regular season, probably right after the regular season, uh, they will make a move and uh, look in a new direction. I mean, this is a team, certainly the, the talent is developing and you have a lot of young talent, but they got to address their defense and some of the ways. And yes, you have some good young defensemen, but overall that unit has been struggling, Dave. One thing that gives me faith, guys, is I still have... Of course, my favorite all-time player, Steve Eisenman. Well. I have a lot of faith in him, and and he's a smart, intelligent, high IQ guy. He's a Hall of Famer as a player, and I think as a front office guy of what he did in Tampa Bay, he has a plan. He's got he, the resume. He has a plan. Yep. He has a, a he has thoughts in mind of where where he's going to go. So that's the one thing that gives me promise is I have faith in in Steve Eisenman. I'll go along with that one. Yeah, I would as well. One other Wings thought before we go to break, guys. It was the 25th anniversary over the past few days. I can't remember exactly which day it was of the Claude Lemieux versus Darren McCarty brawl. Uh, Dave, I know you and I were a lot younger and probably had a lot more hair during that time, but uh, certainly as longtime Red Wings fans, that game and that rivalry, I don't think it can ever be matched as far as the Wings and another team. Maybe it down the road, but uh, that was that was something, and certainly hockey a lot different then than it is now. A lot younger, but still very good looking. You <laughs> I know, appreciate you got to throw that in there, but uh, <laughs> you know, will there be another rivalry like that? I mean, you know, Yankees, Red Sox, and you know the Hoosier daddy is probably right there along the. They had fisticuffs, and Don Zimmer get thrown down. I'm still one of my favorite moments when he was thrown down to the field, but. Yeah, I remember I was in college when uh, that hit on Draper happened. I thought, you know what, this isn't over. And, you know, uh, the late Chubba Ellis, I believe, was at the uh, – Mike Ellis, uh, a good friend of yep. ours, uh, was at that game, I believe. I remember And yeah. I remember him saying, you, you know, they walk in – you know, he gets himself a sarsaparilla. They're watching warm-ups. You could just feel it, you know, that, that something's going to happen that night. But, uh, no, that was uh, definitely one of the great rivalries in sports. And I, I think that had to happen that night at the Joe when, uh, you know, McCarty and the boys uh, took care of business and they handled Claude Lemieux to be able to move on. And now it's like, okay, now you can focus on hockey. Because keep in mind, the Red Wings hadn't beaten the Avalanche since the Draper hit leading up to that March 26th game. But, uh, you know, I, I was watching the documentary and uh, on that game, I've read a book on the be- uh, a great sports writer out of Colorado, out of Denver with the Denver Post. He wrote a book on, a, I think it was called Bad Blood, something of that nature, and it was all about the Avalanche Red Rings rivalry. It, and he did a really nice job. It's a very good read, and it, it was a, a very good art, a very good book on this rivalry. And uh, no, I I remember that night, and you know I, I remember when the Wings finally uh, slayed the Dragon in the Western Conference. Conference finals, but uh, that's one of the great moments, I think, in Detroit sports history, no question. Butch, that Wings-Avs rivalry in the late 90s and early 2000s, your thoughts, and will it ever be matched as far as the Detroit Red Wings and and another team coming up? No, I... I was at a couple of those big-time boogie bears. uh, (laughs) (laughs) I mean... Talking about Joe Lewis getting lit up like a Christmas tree there. They didn't need no electricity that night there. It was already in there. And the fighting and whatnot, and the way the refs just let it go because they would have got punched in the mouth too if they got in the way too much. But it, it, I think since the original six, okay, that I haven't seen something like Colorado and Detroit there. And, and no other team has really matched that there. 
other than maybe Boston and and New York Rangers there. Uh, that seemed to be, right now, the closest thing that's going to be coming to some type of rivalry again, which they've had for many, many years. But that's, that's, time, that's, time, that's very hard to top there. And final thought on that before we go to our final break, guys. Whenever I show my kids uh, videos of that time, uh, the look on their face is just like, how did that happen? How was that legal? And I tell it was a little bit different hockey, and even before us, Dave, uh, in the seventies, it was a lot different. Oh yeah, when you had oh, yeah. bench clearing brawls, Butch. I know you remember that oh, probably better than I do. Sure, those were some good games, boy. Yes, indeed, uh, gentlemen. Let's go to our final break of the night. We come back. We'll talk about the Detroit Pistons briefly. I might add. We'll also look at Major League Baseball, the NFL, and more. All coming up on the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show, The Game News Talk, fourteen hundred. Don Wilson Insurance Agency is big enough to serve and small enough to care. Don Wilson Insurance offers coverage from Fremont Insurance for personal, auto, home, boat, and commercial. Caring about community is just one of the things that sets us apart. We like to think of it as teamwork. When it comes to protecting the things that matter most, we have you covered. Call Don Wilson Insurance today for your free Fremont insurance quote at 906-635-5600. Read Metals in Dafter, your honest main source metal recycling business, hopes everyone is staying safe during this pandemic that just won't stop. Reed Metals is still paying top dollar for whole scrap vehicles. They also buy heavy equipment, catalytic converters, radiators, lead-based batteries, rims, and motors. Reed Metals will give you an honest price without surprise fees or deductions at the scale. Reed Metals also buys copper, brass, lead, tin, cast, aluminum, steel, and many more types of recyclable metals. Reed Metals wants to pay you for your scrap metals and scrap vehicles. Reed Metals also offers roll-off dumpsters service. Reed Metals is open Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Visit ReedMetals.com or call 906-632-0018. Reed Metals is conveniently located only 10 miles south of the Sioux on Mackinac Trail. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L-Series compact tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series motors and sidekick utility vehicles where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Skinners of Pickford, your tractor source in the north, Pickford, Michigan. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. You can catch podcasts of the game at thegamesportshow.com. Now let's get back to it with Scott Nason on News Talk 1400. Welcome back to the game on News Talk 1400. Scott Nason with you as we continue to be joined by our special guest tonight, Dave Watson, and co-host Butch Davis. Gentlemen, let's move on to the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons in action tonight as they travel to Brooklyn to take on Kyrie Irving. Yes, he can now play at home and the Brooklyn Nets. We will join that game in progress after our show. Uh, Another week for the Pistons and more losses as they lose their last game at home to the New York Knicks, who swept the season series against the Pistons. Uh, The Pistons will also be at home this week to Philadelphia on Thursday, at Oklahoma City on Friday, and at Indiana on Sunday. The Pistons already eliminated from the playoffs with a record of 20-55, and Butch. 
Good thing the Pistons have a good uh, G League team that made the playoffs in the Motor City Drive because the the professional team will not. Uh, you're close to the scene. Your thoughts on the Pistons doesn't seem like much has changed over the past few weeks. Well, you listen to the podcast, huh? I did. I did. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I laugh at this particular season because, again, I don't think the emphasis on winning was was there again. I was very disappointed to see Luca Garza not being able to play in in an environment where it would do him a world full of good. I don't understand that particular move, but again, when you send him down to the the G League, there this guy excels like nothing before, same as, same as he ever was. And when he got an opportunity here to get on the floor, he still excelled, but getting still, you couldn't find a place for him. I think the Pistons has a problem, and again, I'm not very happy with the, the coaching. Uh, they need to look elsewhere. I, I'm really certain of that there. They need to get a coach in there uh, that basically right now who is loved by the players, who has some influence on the players to do well and do great. Now, I think Jeremy Grant and Diablo right now are two uh, players that are not going to be seeing the rest of the season there. I don't think uh, Jeremy Grant is going to be with the Pistons next year there if they got anything to do with it. Diablo is on the edge of maybe being traded by some other team that will really want him and look for the benefits that he gives off the bench. Uh, but the Pistons got to find some starters, and I'm not very – other people are happy with uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Cunningham there, but I think Mr. Cunningham in his first year didn't do too bad. But again, he didn't show me the leadership that many have bragged and boast about. Dave, after watching the NCAA basketball tournament and flipping on a Pistons game, uh, you know they're tough to watch throughout the season. Uh, but boy, after watching some of those games and then flipping over to watch one of their games, it's to me it's almost unwatchable basketball. I agree with Butch. It's time for another coach, uh, somebody else. Dwayne Casey, you know, he, he got booted out of Toronto and they win a championship. I just don't think he's the right fit for that team, uh, much like Jeff Blasio right now. You can only give a guy so long and you got to start winning. I mean, they've had lots of draft picks. they got lots of talent, uh, young talent on that team. But on the court, it's the same old Pistons. You know, and it's amazing, guys, because, you know, last summer and, and at the end of the last season and they, they get the uh, pick to be able to get Cade Cunningham had a good draft, uh, so it appeared at the time. Uh, you know, a lot of people like the Luca Gerza pickup, and uh, you know, you coming in. I think we all had optimism that they're heading in the right direction. It was, you know, not a bad year last year. You know, they were. It seemed like ascending a little bit, but this year the bottom just fell out. And you talk to people like you know Butch, and uh, you know, I had Matt Derry on Coach's Corner, and Matt was, you know, real close to the Pistons program. He still. Uh, does uh, the broadcast for the Detroit Drive? You mentioned them, and you know, and, and Matt said, "Boy, it's it's just going bad to worse, and it's not a good situation." And it's in he alluded to the fact, you know, it might be time for a different voice as well. But uh, it's just it's sad to see how the bottom fell out when it looked like they're heading the right direction, and all of a sudden it spun right back down uh, the other way. And you're right, Scott. I, I'll flip those games on for a hot second. Uh, it's hard to watch. And Matt Derry said anything about the Pistons that was low low speed. Please listen to it because he's a good friend of mine. I, I miss him so, but I'll go down to Wayne State and catch up with him. And I tell you right now, you know if if the Pistons 
planning on making any money on this particular team, they got to change their attitude percent. And that's starting off with the ownership there who lives in L.A. and, you know, and comes in a skip by night on a bus or something to come to Detroit, give some gifts away, and they go back to uh, – to Los Angeles to see the Clippers and the Lakers and stuff there and ho 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 with his money there after he blew up blew away the Palace of Auburn Hills and stuff. Uh, I I'm just you know, I'm just not happy with it right now. I think there has to be something that this particular team do. But again, when you don't have ownership that is a, that's very much so engaged with the team you see things like that there. And right now the general manager has carte blanche on what he wants to do with this particular team. And I'm not quite sure that Casey has a lot to do with it, especially when it has a lot to do with why you got a Saban Lee and also maybe a Luca Garza and maybe a Derek Walton over there, I mean, excelling big time, okay, with the averages and rebounding and assisting and all, and they have no time or no minutes with the, the main team that basically right now need them like a hogany slop. No, he, and I completely agree with Butch. He hit the nail on the head. You know, this goes beyond the coach. It goes, and this has been going on for several years since the ownership change, and I am not a Tom Gores no, fan at all. does have good hair. He has good. He looks like a you know a, a, a roadie for L.A. Guns or a 1980s uh, band. So oh you know, there he is hanging out with Rat. And you watch him at the games. I mean, it, you know, you could tell that he's you know enjoyed the sociables a little too much. You know, and and Butch hit it on the head that he comes over here, you know, like a party weekend or whatever. But he does not. He has really not been a very good owner. One of the worst owners ownerships I've seen, and just the the turnover. I mean, you know, he they end up uh, separating from Joe Dumars, and you know, you can say what you want. Joe Dumars uh, built a really good team at one point to win an NBA championship. This just the revolving door in coaches and front office personnel, and he's like he's throwing darts at the dartboard, but uh, you know, he has a blindfold on at the same time, and and I think it goes, you know. I, I agree with Butch. It goes well beyond the coach, and there's some deep-seated issues, and it all starts at the top of the ownership. Paging Scott Cook, we have a hair scare yeah. on the game. L.A. Guns and Rat references, Dave. I'm very impressed. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the NFL, and certainly lots to talk about. We won't cover it all, but let's start with the Detroit Lions. Uh, some big news over the last couple days. Uh, the Motown it will be the stage of the 2024 NFL Draft. The NFL announced Monday at their annual league meeting that the draft will be held in downtown Detroit around Campus Martius Park and Hart Plaza in 2024. And fans that are watchers or viewers, I should say, of the uh, series Hard Knocks, the Detroit Lions will be featured on that. Butch, will this make the Detroit Lions a better football team having the draft and being on Hard Knocks? No, <laughs> I didn't think so. <laughs> what else is going on? Yeah. And crap there, yeah, right. you know, and Woods is good at that. You know, let's give him credit what credit do. He loves to hype things up to a no, not one, knowing that the team ain't able to give two cents of what he he's bragging about there. But again, the Lions. The only way I got hope for is the way they ended last season, the way the head coach took upon himself to do some things that he wasn't doing at the beginning. That gives me hope. I think they got a very good uh, corral of young kids there. I think uh, 
really and truly, and, and, and it has to make the the everybody who's in southeastern Michigan and beyond very excited about having a draft uh, right down, going down Woodward Avenue at Hart's Plaza, and you can see Hart Plaza from campus marches all the way down there, and then you taking up Jefferson and also Cadillac Square. That's going to be a massive kind of a situation there. And if you, I, I tell everybody right now, go to the bathroom or carry some, uh, you know, protection there because it's going to be hard to get to a, to a restroom there. I tell you that right now there. So it, it's good for the city. They can make, I think that city will make a lot of money. Uh, they got buildings just going up uh, just as we speak. They got new businesses rolling on in there. Um, it's going to help Detroit a great, great deal financially there. Now, hard knocks for say there, at the, the personal side of the Detroit Lions, uh, you know, again, it's a wait and see for me there and see how coaches do because I can gauge a lot of things from a show like that and how they're going to get them the season. And hopefully they don't do it just for showmanship. They show some things in that club that's going to make them a better team throughout the, the next uh competing year there. Yeah, if we wanted to talk about ownership groups, we'd need another hour to talk about the Detroit Lions, Dave. Uh, Certainly uh, lots going on in the NFL. Uh, Your thoughts, Dave, on uh, the Lions getting the draft and being on hard knocks and, of course, one of the big free agent signings, or I should say a trade in this case, Deshaun Watson going to your Cleveland Browns. Certainly a lot of news about this this past week. Uh, Your thoughts on both those topics? Well, to start with, uh, I agree with Butch on the, this is a great shot in the arm for the city of Detroit and also to, to be able to showcase the, the city of Detroit. And I, and I have to give kudos to the NFL and granted, I know that this uh, helped their brand and uh, you know, make money off of, but moving the draft around to these different cities and highlighted and Cleveland just had it last year. It's going to be, I think Vegas uh, here coming up this year, I think, and it's been in Philadelphia. It's a, it's a good move and this will really help the city of Detroit that uh, of course, you know, is ascending uh, with uh, upwards, with uh, some lot, a lot of changes and uh, buildings going up, things of that nature, and the hard knocks thing, we know Coach Campbell will be. Uh, no. you know, he, I think he played a major role in why they were picked because yeah. he's a character, and he'll be one of the the you know, top characters, uh, I think, on that show. And then you mentioned the, uh, the situation in Cleveland with uh, Deshaun Watson. I, I'm a diehard Browns fan, as you know, Scotty, a lifelong fan, and you know, I wasn't sure about it. I, I think they they pinned themselves in the corner the Browns did when they went and met with him to the point that, you know, Mayfield wanted out. I think Mayfield kind of overplayed his hand as well. And it came to the point of no return. That that contract is, is just unbelievable. I watched the press conference uh, last Friday. They finally did introduce him. They had to wait for that second grand jury. Yes, to come. they did. Yep. And then of course that was kind of kept under wraps and they weren't saying why they hadn't introduced him yet. Then all of a sudden Thursday, you know, he's phoned. And, uh, and not guilty by the grand jury or they're not going to proceed for it further but the the 22 uh civil suits still uh, sit out there from uh from the women that uh, have accused him in, the, in that case but that press conference is like watching a funeral i mean the cleveland media and, and kudos to them they just bombarded them with questions and there was i counted three football questions in that uh, press conference now we wait and see you know what the nfl does do they suspend them i did read an article today that uh there was one 
one uh, writer that feels he won't get a suspension. He gave a bunch of reasons why, and and I, I still think he gets one because if Ben Roethlisberger got eight games and they appealed it down to six over ten years ago, I think he's going to get one. I don't. I think it's going to be in the area of eight to ten. Some people think it's the whole season. I don't think it's going to be that, but I understand why they did it. You know, you know, as far as to to make a move, they needed a, a quarterback, a dynamic quarterback, and I don't think they had that with who they uh, who, with Mayfield. But uh, you know, I, and if this was three years ago, I'd have loved this move. But it, and the other thing, the Browns have a large female fan base, and now you got to answer to them. I mean, that that's the thing. And you know, as we all say, winning cures all. Yes. Even in this case. Yep. So if they win and this thing, you know, goes right for them and he's ho- hoisting the Vince Lombardi trophy, but it's a tough situation. But boy, guys, that press conference, I've never seen a press conference like it. You know, you introduce a player, there's all smiles. It was like rapid fire questions and it was dealing, it was all non football other than uh, maybe for 10 seconds, they asked him one or two football questions and it was right back to the civil suits. Butch, final thoughts on the NFL. Well, I think uh, <clears throat> Mr. Watson has 22 ways that he got a guaranteed contract there, okay? <laughs> because he's going to be paying off big time here. I agree with uh, you and Dave there that basically this man's going to get some type of suspension. My thing is, is he going to get a suspension and they waive it because of time served? When I say time served, he was a healthy scratch in every game last year and did not play because of the stuff going on there. So has he suffered enough where he didn't make any money because of this particular situation other than the guarantees that Houston was giving him, which it probably was a peanuts and a chump of change versus what Cleveland has already done and he can, I'm quite sure, being his own guarantee, he can mobilize maybe monies or, or, or cash to, to let some of the stuff go away here. Got about three minutes left, guys, before we get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week. Uh, the Detroit Tigers will open up their regular season a week from Friday at home against the Chicago White Sox. Uh, Butch, you will be there. Uh, just give us a, a snapshot, if you will, of where the Tigers are at about a week or so ahead of their regular season opener. What kind of food is going to be there? <laughs> yes. How many clowns we going to see downtown? Because you know that's a national holiday in Detroit. How the weather's going to be? Other than that, I'm waiting for the rosters to appear out and see actually who Detroit's going to bring up here and who they're going to like go to Toledo there. And right now it's a crapshoot right now. Do you bring up uh, Green and do you bring up? Uh, Torkelson, which I think right now they have no choice but to do that because these kids are ready and ready right now. And some other, and Dingler maybe be waiting in the wings in Toledo for the, him to bring him up there. There's a lot of crapshoot there. And some of the veterans that they got, and Baez, that they got a shortstop now. How much of leadership he's going to bring the team along with uh, Miguel Cabrera, who is a, a silent killer but a great leader himself. How much can he get this team motivated where they come out there and do their very best every single game? Pitching is going to be the name of the game, as always. And, again, i got to see how this roster is going to send out in order to compliment everybody and also give Detroit fans what they want as a winner. Dave, I'll sum up my Tiger thoughts with two words, cautious optimism. Your thoughts? I'm right there with you. And, you know, I – 
I'm a little more careful, you know, this year because I, in the back of my mind, I keep on going back to, you know, we we're saying about the Pistons. I thought, boy, you know, they're ascending. And I'm just worried that the, and, you know, I mentioned Matt Derry when I had him on Coach's Corner there. He, he uh, kind of compared the two situations. He says, a lot of people think the Tigers are heading in the right direction. Of course, he's a lifelong Cleveland fan. So, right, right. You know, but he said, I'm not so sure. And I'm kind of, cautiously optimistic the same thing and i keep on going on about the in the back of my mind is the pistons situation because you know i'm of course i'm a diehard tigers fan as you know my wife and i go to several games we're going on the road uh, to uh la to see him against the dodgers and then i think uh, the twins as well and uh, i'm i'm looking forward to that but uh, i'm you know, cautiously optimistic is a very good word. I'm a very good term, and I'm I'm really excited about the season. I always am, but you know, there, there's that pitfalls that you you wonder if they can navigate around, and and I'm I'm hopeful. I, I think though they will be improved, and I hope uh, that we're right about that. Gentlemen, let's get to our thumbs up and thumbs down for the week to end the show. I will start, and then we'll go to Butch. Uh, thumbs down to the Big Ten in uh, the men's basketball tournament once again, not getting the job done. Nine teams in the tournament, only two make the Sweet 16, none make the Elite Eight. The ACC has two teams in the Final Four, where many people thought they would barely get three or four teams into the NCAA tournament. So thumbs up to the Big Ten in men's basketball. A couple thumbs up in the world of soccer. Thumbs up to Canada's men's national team, making their first World Cup since 1986. Thumbs up to the U.S., men's national team uh, all they have to do is avoid losing to costa rica tomorrow six nil i like their chances they'll be in the world cup also thumbs up to christian erickson uh, he was named captain today for denmark's international friendly against serbia for those that don't know erickson was the individual who suffered cardiac arrest last summer in the uh, euro championships for denmark uh, almost dying and uh, having a long road to recovery Andy scored a goal today so thumbs up to christian erickson butch davis your thumbs up and thumbs down for the week sir well thumbs up goes to and i know you're not gonna believe it to shaquille o'neal and yes stephen curry who are oscar winners here boys and girls they had a short film documentary on the queen of basketball the life of lucian harris and she was a member and still is a member of the hall of fame she just died early this year but she, I remember her as a member of Delta State University when women's basketball wasn't getting a hit. You saw Delta State, you saw Louisiana Tech, and you saw some ladies down south that really uh, ruled the game when it came down to women's basketball to we get all this hoopla we have right now. But congratulations to those two. Thumbs up for them. Thumbs up, thumbs down goes to CBS and ABC for not getting those companies such as TBS working with them to have the finals on CBS. And again, for ABC, not getting the women's final from ESPN. I think it stinks. They need to get better. And, you know, this that sport has grown a, a, a huge amount because of the fans there. I think putting them on regular television would be the tip of the iceberg for all of those particular people that I just mentioned. And thumbs up for Shaq and Steph not getting slapped when yeah. they got their Oscar as well. Dave Watson, your thumbs up and thumbs down for the I week. Know. 
I knew that was coming, yes, but uh, yes. there's going to be some kind of reference. My thumbs up goes to St. Peter's on uh, a great tournament and getting all the way to the Elite Eight. Great uh, effort by them, and I'll just uh, echo the thumbs down that Butch uh, just gave. And, you know, I, I think the same thing about, you know, these championships need to be on network television. I agree. Uh, I'm worried how we're going because there's more streaming going on. It was Thursday Night Football with Amazon. I'm, I'm kind of concerned about the direction we're going in uh, with, with uh, our sporting events. But the other thing, too, to piggyback what Butch was just talking about was, uh, you know, you look at the, the, those championships not being on network television. I don't like what Major League Baseball does. Their playoffs, you get to a league uh, championship series, it's on FS1. Yeah, or the and MLB I, network. It's a, or the MLB yeah. network. I mean, that needs to be on right. network TV. So I agree with Butch on that. Gentlemen, it's been a great show. Dave Watson uh, joining us, special guest. Uh, Dave will certainly get you on again throughout the spring and summer. Of course, you'll be covering Sioux High baseball and softball starting in April over on 1230 WSOL. Thanks for joining us tonight, my friend. Always a pleasure, guys. And Butch, uh, always great to have you on the show. We'll be back to our Monday night slot next week and certainly looking forward to all you bring to the table as opening day for the Tigers will be next Friday. Thanks for joining us, Butch, and have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you next Monday night, sir. You do the same, Scott. All right. All right. Thank you. And thank all of our listeners for tuning in tonight. If you want to hear the full two hour podcast of tonight's show, you can find it here a little bit later on on the website, thegamesportshow.podbean.com. For David McKay Jr., Butch Davis, and Dave Watson, my name is Scott Nason. We will talk to you next Monday night for our next edition of the game here on News Talk 1400. Thanks for listening to the game on News Talk 1400, WKNW, Sault Ste. Marie. Check us out next Monday at 6 for the Twin Sioux's only local, regional, and national sports show. You can hear the podcast of the show and other broadcasts at thegamesportshow.com.